Girl Influence Power is brought to you by Collectin. Shop or run the world's tiniest boutiques with Collectin. Welcome to Girl Influence Power Podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Lee, entrepreneur, jewelry designer, CEO, co-founder of Collectin, an app that lets you shop influencer and designer labels direct from the source. Thank you for tuning in live on CastBox. This episode is brought to you by Collectin. Shop the world's tiniest boutiques in partnership with CastBox. For those tuning in first time on our, on my podcast, What is Girl Influence Power? This is my podcast dedicated to interviewing influential women, whether she's an entrepreneur, a business leader, an influencer, or a public figure to explore the common threads that bind us together and makes us the kind of woman that we are today. So today, we have the young and impactful Sarah Trott on our podcast. Sarah previously worked as a TV reporter and weekend morning anchor for ABC News Channel 3 in Palm Springs. Her coverage ranged from life reporting on wildfires and natural disasters to entertainment, philanthropy, and red carpet awards. She graduated from the University of Missouri-Columbia with a degree in broadcast journalism, TV reporting, and anchoring, and a minor in political science. Throughout college, she worked at NBC affiliate KOMU as a reporter, anchor, and entertainment host, and interned with NBC4, WRC in Washington, D.C., and CBS8 in San Diego. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thank you for coming all the way. This is like the first time I've seen a, a guest <laughs> in three months. Um, so how I got to know Sarah, it was also through Collectin's Community Events, and she's also a fellow podcaster, and she has her own podcast called From Here to Where. And I listened to her recent episode on what it's like to experience coronavirus through Sarah's eyes and being young in 20s in her um, L.A., mm -hmm. <laughs> the second largest city in U.S., and really being forced to be part of this social exper experiment by mm -hmm. sheltering at home. Sarah really captured the essence of how she is feeling and experiencing through this period of time. Um, so I was really moved by the episode. So Thank you. Really great job. So if you guys are listening here on this podcast, remember to tune in right after for that <laughs> particular episode. Um, and others, too. They're all really good. Um, anyway, we'll just get started and we'll get to know a little bit more about Sarah. So in the past six months, let's say, um, you know, I guess we could say during COVID or a little bit prior, um, so many things have changed in this world. Yeah. So how has the recent events changed your worldview? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about the magnitude of everything we're experiencing right now. I think when we started 2020, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, this will be the year 2020, a new <laughs> decade, you know, and I don't think any of us anticipated, you know, the year right. being like this, you know, right. with the global pandemic, with a quarantine, right. the civil unrest, the right. protests, the riots, a lot of people didn't anticipate to be on unemployment and right. be stuck at home. And right. so it's kind of coming to terms that, you know, things sometimes are up in the air mm -hmm. and you have to adapt and then also just reflect and grow. And I think, you know, it's changed my worldview and hopefully other people's mm -hmm. worldviews to be more empathetic and right. just to really pause and reflect and right, right, embrace right. this change in an uncomfortable time. Yeah, it's definitely the great reset. <laughs> the big reset for sure. Right, yeah. right, right. So let's talk about the voices of your generation. So there's certainly irony when it comes to like being on Internet and like, 
you know, the audience would berate Kendall Jenner for glamorizing protests, right, with a Pepsi ad. Mm -hmm. But yet the public also turns around and really berate influencers or anyone who is on social media who doesn't immediately voice their opinions or support some cause or, you know, respond to some uh, posts. So how do you navigate through this tricky landscape? It's incredibly difficult and unprecedented. You know, and you mentioned Kendall Jenner, and I did see a meme like, hey, Kendall, where are you when we need you the most? And it was the photo of her handing a Pepsi can to a police officer. And so I think there is something to be said about responding in a timely manner. If you are a celebrity and have that influencer status, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, people are influenced by you and they look to you, uh, you know, for direction and dialogue. And, you know, I also do think, though, at the same time, point, you know, you need to take time to educate yourself. And before you repost something or Mm -hmm. just spew an opinion or information, you need to listen and educate yourself and take time to. So I think I see both sides of it, but it's, it's definitely difficult and very sensitive time. It's very sensitive. There's a lot of haters. Uh, Is there a particular way you respond to haters if they start, you know, writing things that are not very kind, uh, which is very common nowadays? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's really common. I think it's unfortunate people can hide behind their screens and and say things. You know, I think if you're on social media, you should be willing to say what you're commenting to someone's face. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just I try to respond, you know, directly and, you know, but also to try to see their side, too. Right. right. You know, I fortunately haven't had to deal with that too much. I think a lot of people may not see it. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it could be behind your back or it could be, you know, directly. But I think just responding with kindness and or ignoring it, because a lot of times (laughs) it's their own issue, their own insecurities. and. I don't know why people do that. It doesn't help anything. <laughs> right, right. No, I agree. Um, especially like one of the right, you know, topics right now is white privilege. So to you personally, was it more of like a wake up call or is it something that you were always conscientious of? Yeah, I think, you know, this is reminiscent of um, in 2014. So I went to the University of Missouri, Columbia, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was really a wake up call in 2014 after the death of Michael Brown in Uh, Ferguson, Missouri, that prompted the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a wake up call. I really saw racism and, you know, those issues really come to a head for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I admit, I kind of grew up in a suburban bubble in in San Diego. And I did, you know, um, house building trips and traveled and, you know, different, you know, organizations to see different parts of life. But I admit I did come from a very privileged background Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was really shocking and eye opening to see people who were my friends on campus yet condemn these protests that were happening as the Black Lives Uh, Matter movement, Mm -hmm. you know, started. And so that was really a wake up call to, you know, reconsider, you know, who are these people who are your friends, friends and you know, just, it was a shocking time to be kind of in the center of that. We had national news networks, you Mm -hmm. know, on our lawn at our campus because our school Mm -hmm. was so close to where these big protests were Uh, happening. Right, right, right. So I think, yeah, this has been a wake up call again, but Mm -hmm. also just a reminder to, that's true. This is important today. It's been (laughs) important then. And it's something we need to continue you know, yeah, every to day. address, yes. And, and yeah, and it ta- the conversation helps too. The yeah. open conversations. Yeah, I mean, just hearing people's voices, I think helps. Totally. Um, 
So let's talk about your, like, what shaped your world, world, <laughs> I can't talk today, worldview. <laughs> where were you born and raised? A um, little bit about your background. Yeah, I was born and raised in San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, uh, my mom is a teacher. My dad is uh, a businessman. Mm-hmm. And I have an older sister and grew up just kind of by the beach in beautiful southern Southern California. And so my parents thought I was crazy mm-hmm. when I wanted to move halfway across the country to Missouri, where I <laughs> wanted to go to school and right. um, had no connections, no family there, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there was a phenomenal journalism school there. Oh, and nice. Yeah. I grew up um, just like loving being in front of the camera, right, you know, right, right. making mock newscasts in my garage Aww. and interviewing my dog and right. doing funny weather reports outside. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I think I was a sassy little kid. I was right, just right, right. watching during quarantine with my family some old home videos. Mm-hmm. And I would just I do the most bizarre things, like right. doing like these funny dances in right. front of the, our video cameras. And just I was a really silly little kid. Yeah. So did you always know you wanted to go into broadcasting journalism? You know, it was a ritual to watch the evening news with my parents. Uh-huh. And I think that's what really sparked this fascination and curiosity with Mm -hmm. Uh, TV and journalism and you know as a a little girl I so greatly admired these confident articulate intelligent trustworthy beautiful women that were on TV Mm -hmm. and I aspired to be like them like Mm -hmm. how how do I Mm -hmm. do this and I asked my parents you know how do you get on TV I mean (laughs) this was before influencers this was before Instagram and you know now it's the barriers to entry are a little bit lower you know to have a podcaster to be a journalist right, right, right. but at the time you know those were the only people that were right, giving right, you information right and so my parents told me you get a journalism degree it's really competitive and they right. were worried about me mm-hmm. it's a cutthroat industry right and um I went for it I went to the University of Missouri oh, nice <laughs> how else were your parents impactful <laughs> they were so impactful in that they were so supportive mm-hmm. and pushed me um I think they were just the perfect balance of, you know, helicopter parents, right, but not right. so much. You right, know, that right. They wanted the best for me, but they mm-hmm. also wanted me to figure things out on my own. Oh, um, that's nice. To ask for more, to assume leadership positions when I right. was young, mm-hmm. to, you know, be confident and right. um, also just be involved in the community. I was mm-hmm. involved in community service clubs and to just have a greater world perspective, I think, through travel and just through the organizations they were involved in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was inspiring to me and prompted me to have a greater consciousness for ah, the right. world around you. Right. So it all started from when you were little, too. So mm-hmm. what is it like to be in high school? <laughs> like for the, we have a lot of listeners who have like this image that are international, who have this image mm-hmm. of, you know, U.S. high school. Like, what is it like, especially being in San Diego by the beach? I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like. Give us, share, share a little bit of experience of how high school is. Is it as glamorized or as fun or is it? <laughs> in some ways, yes. In some mm-hmm. ways, no. I mean, yeah, the, you know, having high school prom and we had an outdoor um, grassy quad with benches mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. it where, you know, the jocks would sit there, kind of the sports uh, people right, and the right, cheerleaders. Right. And mm-hmm. it kind of felt like that. Uh, we would have six period off and some of my friends senior year, you know, if you have a free period at the end mm-hmm. of the day, they would go take their surfboards and go to the beach and surf and, uh, you know, ditch school to go right, do that. Right, and right, right. it was, it was really fun looking back. I'm so grateful and lucky for that experience. Ah, um, okay. It's <laughs> it sometimes felt like a movie, but 
there's also not glamorous parts too, right, like right, right. <laughs> taking AP classes and being stressed about college entry and right, right, that's true. <laughs> all of that. Do you play sports in high school? I played tennis and I also did track and field and oh, high jump. Nice. Um, and then I kind of quit that my junior and senior year so I could uh, pursue broadcast journalism, uh-huh. um, some of the media courses. I was the editor in chief of my high school newspaper ah, and that nice. was like a full-time job. So oh, I that's true. <laughs> put the sports to the side. I'm not super competitive with sports. But, but do you think sports is important? Like, you know, like now that you're in your career phase, is sports that were back then, you know, just high school sports, was it important or, you know, totally. in any way? Yeah, I mean, you learn teamwork, you create a community, you find your niche of people. Mm-hmm. I think whether it's sports or clubs or organizations or bands, theater, I think those are so important. And my mom is a teacher, and I'm seeing how there's so many funding cuts to right. those extracurricular programs, which I think are just as important, if not more important, than That's true. You know, the science and the English classes, right. because you learn your social skills and yes. your people yes. skills. That <laughs> <way>. <laughs> totally yeah. agree. I'm actually, I'm actually a tennis player, too, and I play tennis. Oh, we should play sometime. <laughs> I know, in high school and in college, um, which was very rare, actually, for an Asian back then. But um, <laughs> especially Asians, they're all, like, the parents are all into like you know academics so (laughs) um so was your mom like your female model growing up or was there someone else who was very impactful that was women yeah you know my mom um always was working you know Mm -hmm. same with my dad and that was a great role model to see a strong you know woman powerful woman who I just admired her you know the fact that she would get up in front of a classroom and educate students Mm -hmm. um you know that was just so inspiring to me. My older sister was inspiring to me as well. But also these women, you know, on TV were so inspiring to me. Oh, that's nice. So then when you graduated from college, were you like super excited to get out in the real world and really use your journalism degree? What, what did you do after that? Yeah, I was ready to get out of, you know, college. I, I enjoyed it, but also there were parts that I didn't enjoy. You know, I was uh, ready to be an adult. And mm-hmm. I... Um, during the spring semester of my senior year, uh, signed a contract with Mm -hmm. the ABC affiliate in Palm Springs. So I knew Mm -hmm. that I had a job after graduation. And so I could really enjoy those last couple weeks and months Ah, of college because I had worked so hard to get to that point, (laughs) sign the contract. (laughs) I have a job. I'm going to be good. So, so what was your experience like being the, you know, being so young and then a reporter (laughs) with a station that, you know, it was hard, you know, especially as a young woman, you want to be taken seriously. And I think that's not something that's granted to you. You have Uh, to work for that. And that was hard uh, to earn respect, but you do that just by holding yourself to a certain standard and just being incredibly professional, Mm um, you know, and just have dealt with different experiences in my time. Um, you know, if you've seen the movie Bombshell, uh-huh. it's not too far from the truth, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, of the, oh, okay. the broadcast industry. Right, right, so you right, really right. have to have a good head on your shoulders yeah, and a thick that's skin. that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so for a woman amplifying her voice in today's world, how do you feel like um, in terms of opportunity for women? Do you think there's more or do you think there still needs to be dramatic changes for career women? I think there should still be changes. I think there are lots of opportunities. Mm. Um but, you know, women are just as capable as men. And right. I think it's a, a culture shift that needs right, to happen. Right. Um, like we're seeing so many different things come to a head right now. Mm-hmm. Important issues that need to be addressed. Racial injustice. Right, you know, right. uh, 
income inequality, mm-hmm. um, you know, the pay gap between men and women. Right. All of those things are so important. And unfortunately, it just takes time. Right. But I think putting pressure on that and magnifying it, putting a light on it, I think that's really important. And women are just as capable as men. Ask for more, demand more, right. speak up. <laughs> you know, don't be don't be meek. Don't hold back. You right, know, be right. strong and pursue what you want. Ask for it. I think anyone can do it. Yeah. Do you have any bad experience like being a woman and, you know, your first job, like any horrible situations that you would like give advice for other young women? Yeah. You know, I think and I saw, you know, we're talking a little bit about the Me Too movement, you know, and I think I'm so grateful that happened. Uh, And I just, you know, caution young women to be really assertive and have your eyes open because, not everyone will have your best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be presented with situations that make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially with men who are in positions of authority right. and want to show you favoritism and mm-hmm. how that translates to other coworkers and mm-hmm. peers and yeah. walking this fine line of being respectful because right. we're taught, you know, be right. respectful of your elders yes, and don't, yes. don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's to undermine them, un- undermine yeah, them. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's hard as a young woman because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. Right. Because it's new and you want trying to make a good impression, try to do your job. But it's, right. it's also, yeah, it's, it's a fine line and you really have to teach, you know, all the other girls out there, like you need to make your good judgment <laughs> and, and, yeah, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid yeah. and speak up. And if you witness something, a friend, or if it happens to yourself, or if you, you just know in your gut, something is wrong, right. You know, report it yeah. and speak up and say that, I don't appreciate that comment. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. That's true. Um, I wish I could have told myself that, you know, when I was younger, but you just have to learn and protect yourself with this armor of like thick skin. Yeah. And really it gets easier. (laughs) It gets easier. Oh my goodness. Every year. I feel like every year you just walk into more confidence and through experiences, you know what to say. (laughs) Yeah. No, because first couple of times you're probably scared. And I mean, I I still remember the first time I spoke up to, you know, like another CEO that was a man that made a very nasty comment. Yeah. I was shaking and I was really just angry inside and then I almost felt like tears were coming down my cheeks you know mm-hmm. but just you can't control it because it's it's hard yeah and to be in that position and you know to feel like hey you know that's just not cool but then actually now it's like it just comes out <laughs> it just comes, comes out. out yeah it comes out with age and practice and just being more comfortable so it's totally. good advice <laughs> all right so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Sarah Now you can try before you buy on Collectin. Introducing Experience, the new way to shop jewelry. Flaunt your style and express your creativity with Experience. Get it today, only on Collectin. Welcome back to Girl Influence Power. Today we have Sarah Trott. Um, we're going to talk about more about um, what she's doing currently. So um, I know you found your own podcast, From Here to Where. So tell us a little bit more about what that is and what you know. how did you come up with the concept and... Yeah, so we can all know more about it. Sure. Well, From Here to Where is my podcast and overall brand, kind of like 
a girl's guidebook to the 20s. And it started with me honestly not knowing my direction of mm. where I was going. I was in a crossroads with my career, um, caring as a caregiver for my father with mm. ALS, and just feeling really confused and uncertain. And also, I, I sometimes joke that this whole brand and podcast started with a lie, that <laughs> your 20s are going to be the best decade of your life, which is, you know, it's true I in a way. But mm. also what they don't teach you in school is, you know, all of the difficulties you'll encounter, you know, right, right, right. dealing with career stress right, and right. relationships, uh, mental health, wellness. Right. And so just hearing from strong, inspiring, successful women on what they wish they knew before they started their twenties. Right. Right. So quite a change, right? You're usually interviewing them. And today you're right. on my podcast being interviewed. It's fun. <laughs> it's nice. Yep. So now you're a girl of influence. Um, and you know, you not only just do podcasts, you also have, you know, uh, your Instagram, Instagram accounts, you're a social media, pretty much influencer, um, your model. Um, so there's so many ways to get your voice out. Now take me through your pro process. Like, um, when you're formulating brands, like how do you know when, and you know, how each is going to come into play? Yeah. I think it's so funny. Uh, I never expected to become an influencer or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, this natural progression of moving from a TV personality to right. a digital media personality. Uh -huh, right. And I really think about, you know, who is my audience? What mm -hmm. is my message? And when brands are approaching me like, Hey, could you promote this product? Mm -hmm. Is this something I would genuinely use and right. genuinely recommend to others? Right, right. Does this fit with health and wellness and, mm -hmm. you know, young women, or mm -hmm. is this, you know, something that's totally irrelevant. And right, right. get some off the wall messages. Like. Right, right. So it has to be really within that theme that you're really trying to, you know, make your brand to be, right? Right, right. Okay, so now from social media to COVID to Black Lives Matter, your generation is building on careers with these very unique set of circumstances. So what's it like to be in your 20s now? And then <laughs> are you? do you have high hopes for the future? <laughs> I do. I mean, I'm an optimist. I know we're going through incredibly difficult times right now, but right. I am so grateful to be living in this time that we have communication, we have technology, we have the ability to influence and impact people. Right, I mean, right. social media is negative in many ways, mm -hmm. but also it's really positive and you can touch a lot of people's lives in right. ways that we never were able to before. Right. So I'm interested to see how things will change and progress. I mm -hmm. mean, the, the broadcast industry, my TV background, that's undergoing a huge tectonic right, shift right. Um, and moving toward digital. And I think <laughs> yeah. it'll only get better it's right. sometimes black mirror scary sometimes yeah but yeah overall optimistic yeah. yeah that's true that's true um so you're pretty much the first generation that grew up entirely on social media and I, I have a young daughter myself so what kind of advice would you give them for anyone that's growing up or going into this social media digital world um you know I think be cautious of what you say it will mm -hmm. follow you everywhere I mean, <laughs> never, it never erases <laughs> it never erases so any um you know photos or comments you know I know friends that tweeted something you know seven years ago and right. became public figures and right. that gets brought up through the archives ah, so right, right, um right. 
just to be really conscious of what your footprint is in the digital landscape. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You think you, you know, can erase it, but you actually can't. There's always a copy somewhere. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So now this digital generation, this is something I'm curious because I'm a little bit older than you. But anyway, dating seems to be really difficult or very (laughs) easy on a digital uh, platform. So what's that experience been like for you? So this may be the unpopular opinion, but I actually prefer like meeting people mm-hmm. online. I feel like I'm so busy and the people that in traditional ways of meeting people, like right. a guy coming up to you at a bar, I feel like online dating levels the playing field for uh, women right, because right, right. it's a mutual connection. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you can quickly see their occupation and photos and what they're into and you right, can right, 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 kind right. of see their digital profile and is this going to be a match is this not um, I I (laughs) like it that's good um so for like how has the relationship changed in COVID like if you have you're seeing someone or I have a boyfriend that kind of thing like yeah how has that impacted uh you know I actually got out of a relationship before COVID so I have been you know on my own through Mm -hmm. this and I think it's actually been empowering to just go through this hard time and really rely on my family and friends Mm -hmm. and myself that's true and focus on my career um but yeah relationships you know still messaging people on these (laughs) dating apps it's so random and now the world is opening um it's kind of fun I think it's important to date a variety of people to Mm -hmm. really see you know who you're compatible with um, that's true that's and to be really solid in yourself in your career before you settle down with someone that's true that's true um, because usually, you know, 20s is all about fun, building a career and eventually settling down. So um, do you think the side gig economy like changed this whole, you know, this this entire environment? I mean, we have Tinder, we have, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah all these swipe up, swipe left, swipe right. I can't even keep track anymore. <laughs> I know it's a lot. I mean, I think it's yeah, it's definitely changing the way people are viewing long-term relationships and I think you're oversaturated with options Mm -hmm. so I do see some of that like the culture is to not really settle down because you think that there's something the next best thing is out there so um I I don't know I think if you have a genuine connection with someone um I mean people are getting married much later right I think that's probably better you know that you're able to date and just really be solidified in yourself um, as a person before you have a marriage but it's totally a personal preference. That's true. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how about the Me Too movement? Is it easier for young women to navigate the career world now? You know, it's it's almost like people say, do we try to use it in our favor? Or, you know, sometimes I go, oh, you know, some of the men I interact with, they just, well, that's because it's like this Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, so it gives us a false sense of like we're being empowered, but are we really being empowered in the in the workforce? Yes, I think so. I'm so grateful for the brave women who came forward and, you know, shared their experiences mm-hmm. because big or small, I think, unfortunately, every woman will deal with something. Right, um, right hopefully not to the magnitude of some of the victims that came forward in the Me Too movement, but they have laid the groundwork for us to feel empowered, to report things, to speak up, Mm -hmm. to say no. And, you know, it has brought hypersensitivity to the issue. And Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe some people are wrongly accused, but I think it's just so important to have that dialogue. And I'm grateful for those brave women who started the movement for sure. Right. So what does that word feminism mean to you (laughs) now? Yeah. I think it's just, you know, 
so there's kind of a negative stigma with the word. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that's evolving and adapting, but I right. think it's just demanding equal rights, equal payment, just equality between right, men and right. women in all facets of life, in relationships, in the workforce, mm-hmm. um, just in the entire world. And I think it's an important thing. Right, so, you know, right. you shouldn't be looked down upon as being a feminist. Right. It's, That's you know, true. empowering women and supporting other women. Right. And mm-hmm. So now how are you using your voice to impact women? Because you have a broadcast, you have awesome broadcasting voice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm using it through my podcast and mm-hmm. just my transparency online. I right, think right. it used to be people love to see these glamorous photos, you know, online. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can post, you know, beautiful, amazing photos, but also have a caption or, you know, an Instagram versus reality and really break down some of the facade and just be honest with your struggles, with your insecurities. I think that is empowering to women because not everyone can be perfection. That's just, I mean, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Right. That's true. To just really get that message. And through my podcast, just hearing from, you know, women who came from all different walks of life. You know, one of my favorite episodes is a former professional dancer who mm-hmm. um, had a very interesting career path in male-dominated industries, right. mm-hmm. you know, doing professional dancing in Japan and all across the world uh-huh. and um, how she used those skills of navigating, you know, men and creepy men to become very successful in commercial real estate. And oh, so nice. just hearing all of these crazy zigzag trajectories it's right, inspiring right. right that's true it's life is not always as expected right <laughs> right and for you and for everyone else too as Completely. well um i know you very uh you've always talked about your father who has a als mm-hmm. and he's you know battling als which is um for people who who doesn't know what als is can you tell them a little bit more about what it is and then how is it being such a young person dealing with a family member who has ALS? Yeah, ALS is a uh, motor uh, neuron disease. So basically your brain is completely um, capable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not like dementia or something where, you know, your mind deteriorates. It's just your body and your muscles are failing you, Um, you know, from being able to walk, to talk, to eat. Mm -hmm. So it's an incredibly cruel disease. And my heart goes out to anyone who is young and has a parent who is suffering from, you know, any sort of disease. Right. It's incredibly shocking and jarring to come to terms with the fact that, you know, your parent is is dying. And so uh, that's also another reason I wanted to have this podcast Mm -hmm. is to bring comfort uh, to young women who are going through grief and loss and anticipatory grief and loss. So it's incredibly hard, but his positivity and optimism is unparalleled. I mean, he's such a light in our community and has inspired so many people because he could choose to be angry or Mm -hmm. he could choose to be strong and resilient and the face of adversity. And he has inspired so many people. And I find inspiration from him because he was a huge role model to me growing up. Yes. Oh, that's very sweet. (laughs) And the voice really does connect. Um, And then, you know, for those out there, we're also grieving because there's so many losses, especially with family losses yeah. of the elderly people too. That yeah. The voice actually really heals. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, you know, lost my father just not very long ago, no. like six months ago. And, you know, people say, well, sometimes I don't know what to say to someone who's grieving or mm-hmm. someone who's facing a difficult situation medically or they're going through something, yeah. you know, difficult. But 
being there myself, I know like just that phone call, yeah. just hearing a voice, you don't have to say anything. Just say that, you know, I understand or I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that really helps. Um, yeah. So for those out there who thinks like, I'm just going to let her get through it and then I'll check in. Don't do that. No, nope, don't do that. <laughs> Be there for them, yeah. you know, like, right. yeah. oh, I'm so grateful for the community of friends. And, you know, I've been in San Diego. My parents have been there for almost 30 years. And so they've right. established such a great network of friends and we couldn't have done this without them. People just popping in to say, hey, right, we're thinking right. about you. And mm-hmm. when all of your, you know, everyday abilities are stripped from you, right. you know, having human connection, even though my dad can't talk or communicate, mm. you know, he can still listen and right, right. be part of the family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's those things matter so much. That's you know? true. That's true. That's very nice. Yeah. yeah. And that's nice for you to share, too, because it's it could be a very difficult topic to talk about. Yeah, it's gotten easier for sure. <laughs> Over time, it gets easier, you know. But. So what can we expect from Sarah Trot in the next 10 years? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Watch out, world. <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, I have a lot of aspirations with media and communication. Mm-hmm. I just I love interviewing people. I love sharing stories. Right. And so I would love my my dream job would be, you know, the host of my own TV show mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I would love to start uh a philanthropic organization to empower young women right. through careers mm-hmm. and scholarship. I want to write a book one day, maybe mm-hmm. about grief and loss, oh, uh, nice. dealing with that as a young person. Um, I want to travel the world when we can. <laughs> I you know? know we do miss that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't oh. wait to get on a plane when it's clean and safe yes. and sanitary. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I think we all look forward to that. Yeah. It's going to be a, a quiet summer this year, <laughs> but hopefully next summer. <laughs> At least anytime. we're in L.A. We're in beautiful L.A. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming to our show. Thank you for joining. With, thank you. Uh, and having like, you know, such an honest, open conversation. Um, I'm, I know there are so many women out there who would like to hear your voice and also know like, you know, they're in the circum- same circumstances and also kind of hear firsthand really your personal hardships, um, you know, uh, any stories that you feel like would really in- motivate the women to yeah. um, any women to be like out there doing what they love. Um, so for any one of you who haven't followed Sarah, you need to follow her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So you could do that um, on the podcast platform, any podcast platform. Uh, so the podcast, again, is from here to where. Or you can follow her on social media, uh, Instagram at the Sarah Trot, or simply go to her website and read her blog at sarahtrotmedia.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please, please subscribe to our podcast and then check out our videos on our website, girlinfluencepower.com and or on the Collectance YouTube channel. Well, there you have it. Sarah Trot, thank you for thank coming. Thank you so much. <laughs>